And interview number 57 is here, and this time it's a little bit different. Normally, you'll see me talking to presidents and CEOs and founders. For the last couple of months, it's been exclusively. Uh, that was my audience, but I want to switch things up. And today, I'm talking to somebody who doesn't come from that background. In fact, he comes from an entertainment background, and he's an actor and Salesforce consultant and a YouTuber known as a Captain Sinbad. The reason we are talking to Nick Hill in this interview is because I want to dive into understanding what does it take to create engaging content for your personal brand or for your business, because it's all about your content, how you create content, because that generates conversations, that generates awareness. And besides our usual productivity, personal development, mindset type of questions, a little bit of career, I want to focus on this, and it's a big part of this conversation. So without further ado, here's Nikhil Pandey. I'm here with Nikhil Pandey, an actor, Salesforce consultant, uh, no YouTuber. Nikhil, it's great to have you on the show, welcome. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so your nickname, Captain Sinbad, mm -hmm. is it? Did you get it from the from the Jamaican DJ, or that's that's from the movie in the sixties? Where did that come from? I yeah, I looked it up afterwards. Like, uh, what else is Sinbad related? And I was like, oh, I guess there's some music. There's um, there's a few things in pop culture that are that, but no, it actually comes from. Um, the marker of a TV show. Uh, so in this in this HBO show, a uh, character goes to prison and his, basically all of his dreams have now fallen apart. And while in prison, in order to survive, he kind of makes friends with these um, this bad crew, but they'll sort of protect him to, from the really bad people. And they said, you know, you need a prison name now. So you can pick either Aladdin or Sinbad because he was, the main character is of Pakistani descent. Right. So he, he said, I pick Sinbad. But then when they, they tattoo that name on his hands, it's a sin on one hand and bad on the other. So it made him seem guilty of this crime that he was actually um, innocent of. And so someone asked the actor, why do you think this character named himself Sinbad, not Aladdin? And he says, well, Aladdin had all of his dreams come true. Everything was given to him. But Sinbad in like the Arabian stories, he's the voyager. Like he yeah. actually, like part of the story is that he came out of prison and he, everything he got, he had to go out and, at sea and risk his life for. So as this character felt all of his dreams fell apart, he resonated more with that name. So that's how the channel Nice. Started. It's catchy. It's catchy. Like a lot, a lot of my <laughs> friends mentioned, <laughs> like, you know, you just can't, it's, it's so, it's so easy to, to memorize because you've been on YouTube for about two years now. Yeah, pretty much exactly two years to the day. But I... I just, you know, when you start out, I didn't want anyone to know who I was because if it's not a thing, if it's not uh, something serious or if you don't have the audience, then I think I just felt uh, embarrassed. I, that was just my mindset at the time. Yeah. Um, also, you know, the roots of my channel were not very, like, you know, the, the least polished it probably could be. It was just off my cell phone, just yelling. We're going to dive into that. I saw your first video. It was super shaky. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> now, that was, it was, it, when it started out, it was more definitely more like the document, not creating. And then uh, slowly, but not too, not too slowly, you know, after I got, I got like 100 views, I realized, oh, there are people here. And I, after I got like two or three comments, I was like, oh, there's someone on the other side of this. And then I just <laughs> asked. 
Well, well, you know, you know what, you know what, everybody's waiting for. Everybody's waiting for the the video. Watch his goggings three times, and then you'll have to tape your legs and run a hundred k. I think if I did goggins again, he might just come and murder me. Like I got away with it twice, <laughs> but I don't think I can. I don't want to risk it with a Navy SEAL. I've already overstepped my bounds, you know. That was just uh, those watches. One's videos were just. Um, I'd seen comedy work for other people, and it's just it's a faster. It's a faster it's like a way of consuming content than a serious long form video. So I just tried it out a few times, mm. a few fifteen times. It was it was interesting because you are not you are not fully trying to be him in the video. There's a there's a bit of a personality your your personality to come across, and then you're using some of the lines that are not his. There are just some of the lines that you come up with that if he said it, it would be super funny. So um, how do you how do you go about the whole process like when you are when you're that's, writing it out? That's you know the great where does comedy f come from? Um, I wish I had a better system in place for those videos, but I think if you are truly yourself on any given moment, most of us are a little bit crazy. Um, we just you know we have to be civilized for the world. But if you just like kind of let that out, then I think everyone is capable of just being super weird and super off-putting, scary, funny, attractive, repulsive, all in one. And so, you know, those videos is because I had sort of made this commitment to myself when I was just starting out on YouTube, taking it seriously, that I would make two videos a week, but I'd run out of time to make a serious video. So I said, okay, instead of, instead of being serious, I'll just be an asshole and that's the Goggins video so there's really no rhyme or reason to it I just I was like this is kind of what he sounds like oh this is it's a slight <laughs> accentuation of what he does so I just didn't it, it was, I'm it sure was, he's it was seen really, it too it was yeah it was, it, it was good one of them and I bet he hates me for it <laughs> well there was one interview with Goggins which is uh, kind of like sums up his insane personality where an interviewer asked him um, like, so what do you do for fun? Are there any things in, in your day that you do for fun where it, it's not like fighting demons or like, or like facing the voices in your head? And he said, uh, all I do for fun is me bettering myself. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, the guy is like literally this is all his life, which is not to take anything away from what he achieved. <laughs> He's, uh, I mean, it is what makes some people happy to, a decent degree like oh, the same vein Gary Vaynerchuk has said things like he doesn't enjoy actual fun like, Gary Vaynerchuk is like I don't want to go skiing like I would hate that and I actually do resonate with that sentiment to a solid degree like a lot of the times when I've tried uh, playing the character of a young man having fun by going out with his friends and like doing the thing whether it be drinking at a bar or going to a club or going to some like retreat in the woods or whatever it is. Uh, you know, most of the time I was just like not excited or happy. I think I, I think I would enjoy it more than someone like Gary Vaynerchuk who is obsessed with building a business or like Goggins who is just obsessed with perfection of character. Mm. But I kind of do understand that. What is, what, is it, what is it for you? Like what is this, this thing that you would be like 100% in, feel yourself 100% in? Um, I think deep down, I do love stories and I do, I am, um, kind of 
repulsively attracted to fame and attention, which means I can maybe never actually be happy. You know, like it's, it's, um, I, that's part of what, what drives it. At least that's what they say is like the actor's condition is because they're all like, we're all narcissists, but also we have a ton of anxiety. And so we're just never, there's no hope for us. I do feel like maybe, maybe some degree of that is true for me. Maybe yeah. It's true for me. Um, but if I were to just say like what feels like the day was fulfilling um, and fulfilling in terms and yet still fun, I think it's just the simple act of like being with people who are um, kind of like me. We want to build something together. Um, yeah. We, we like being creative together um yeah i think people hanging out hanging out yeah. is is my source of fulfillment maybe in that original example that i gave you like at the bar or at the club mm -hmm. or at the in the woods oftentimes just the company wasn't that exciting for me so maybe that's pretty much the only marker there makes a difference it does make a difference you create content regularly on youtube uh as i create a, a lot of content on linkedin um, I know how super hard it is for any creator to come up with stuff every time. And then because you're putting yourself out there, everybody's going to be judging you. Everybody's going to be saying whatever. Yeah. What are some of the ways that you found? And a lot of folks get stuck. You know, it's common, uh, myself included. What, what are some of the ways that you found to get yourself unstuck that is other than gun to your head from Fight Club that you showed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Some people have grown on things like YouTube so much more elegantly than I have. Um, I, I mean, if you go to, to, through the backlog of my videos, it's relatively inconsistent. You know, I'm not, um, I don't do a good job of pinpointing like what the channel is about. It's kind of self-helpy, but then there's a bunch of videos that are inconsistent with that personal development genre, I would say. Mm -hmm. So... For me, it was just a commitment that I made that there will be two videos a week. If I, if I hate myself, I hate the way I sound, I hate the way I look, I hate the message, uh, I just, uh, the editing isn't good, the shot is out of focus. It was kind of just like, I don't know why I stuck with that, but it was two uh, times a week, there will be something up. And now now the, that i think that had has given me the audience i have just it wasn't so much that they know what's coming in the next video mm. but they knew i would be there so maybe that's what worked for me but uh now i think the rules are different because now i the audience is mid-sized i think you have to be you have to think harder about it because it's potentially like an audience of two hundred thousand. you don't I, I feel that pressure to not mess up more they're ex expecting something right yeah, or it's just like when you know there's someone on the other side of it or like like for sure 50,000 people are going to watch this video. You will just, I, th I would think, you're just going to think more about what you put out. I think it's the same way that like Warner Brothers, if they gave someone $100 million mm -hmm. to make a movie, that person would want to make sure that, I don't know, they market tested so that the video, so that the movie would have an audience and, and stuff like that, you know? And it's it's... Yeah, the rules are totally different now. It's fascinating how I find when you are creating content, right? You create a, <clears throat> a few videos, you get the audience, uh, then you know there's expectation, put so much pressure on you to create something that you just can't um, just put some sort of crap online and it's like, whatever. They, you know that they're expecting, so it, it kind of becomes a bit like a blocker 
for for you to come up with stuff because you know there's got to be this there's this high bar in place yeah it's it's a constant thing that i have to um tell myself to ignore uh which which was not the case in the early days like it, when i was just starting out i would record anything edit anything sometimes think it's just so cool and i would just put it up and i was uh, i would be extremely excited i tell myself this all the time um because I remember last year, January, mm. I made a video and it got 500 views in the first two hours. And I was like, this is it, it's happening. Like it, it had been my best performing video till date at the time. And then um, just recently I uploaded a video and is like, you know, immediately in 20 minutes, it was at 1700 views. And I was like, oh, this one tanked. And I got sad about it. And then I was like, that is kind of messed up, you know? You should be grateful. I mean, that, those are pretty absurd numbers if you were to think about it, you know? In 17 minutes, I got like nearly 2,000 people to just click, boom, it's up in 40 comments. And I, and I look yeah. at that 17 minutes in now, and I'm like, all right, I know it's <laughs> gonna end up. Like, I know exactly how it's gonna go now. I'm like, all right, in two days, it's gonna be at 40K. In a week, it's gonna like just trickle down to 46K. And all right, well, that one's done. And um, it's, it's really messed up. And but then you see people at every creator level experience the same thing where in the first yes. hour, oh uh, shoot, it only got 40,000 in the first hour. Like it, scaling up to like Mr. Beast level where I'm sure even he has days where he's like, we only got like 4 million today. And he's just so <laughs> It's hard, so, but you go, you go more, you go further than it's just all that, all that uh, you know, judgment based just on the views. And I feel like it's interesting because like, when you are creating a video on YouTube, uh, it will, it's interesting how you treat it. If you just treat it as, oh, I got to get the views, that's what determines success, then you have a certain way to react that, uh, on this thing. Versus if you just treat it, hey, this is my playground to improve my craft on whatever, right? Then it's like, it doesn't matter. It's just more about the quantity. And then you know, you do like a thousand of those, and then you are much better you're much better at your craft and then whatever next thing you do, whatever next video or theme or impersonation you do, then you're so much better. Like how do you, how do you treat that with your videos right now? Like uh, with YouTube, um, it, it's a very strange terrain, especially if your channel has anything to do with you as an individual, because I think the platform is only, I think like nine years old. So there are no super old YouTubers, you know, um, you don't see a lot of super famous YouTubers who are like over 45, um, you know, very few. And so it's, and a lot of it is, um, you, you, there, there is that thing of like, let me be creative and let me um, just say the message I want to say, but it's, it's so hard not to let it um, turn into like the, you're supposed to live up to the brand as well. <laughs> so, I think the biggest thing you can do with YouTube or like creativity in general is to have a life that is happy and uh, has a sense of momentum without that thing. So then the YouTube and the insights, it's not, it's just, it's a lot easier to not be driven by that because you're like, well, I'm an actor. Like, I don't think I'm a YouTuber. I'm kind of like an actor at heart if I had acting related stuff that I was pursuing, or I think at this point, even more so than just an actor, I'm a person who is trying to expand in, in the terrains that are available to me. So yeah. uh, for, if, if I am 
in a phase of life where I feel like my health is getting better or that um, I'm learning skills at my job that are making me more valuable or I am still a YouTuber, but I'm just really excited about how I can get a new tracking shot that allows me to do this one thing that I haven't been able to. If I, if I have like fullness and experience in my life outside of YouTube, then it's a lot easier to be, to make great videos, to um, be happy with the views you're getting, yeah. even if the views aren't amazing. And then that's, I think that's ultimately, um, that's kind of like the great battle of life that we all have to sort of face is like, um, it never ends. You're never going to feel like you won. So you might as well uh, just accept that it's like what Goggins says, you know, it's like a marathon. So you just have to, yeah. even if your video got a million views, you wouldn't be any happier. Like uh, I'd say two and a half weeks from now, you'd be, you'd still be facing the same uh, problem of having to exist. So yeah, I think that, I think so that might, I have to consistently remind myself, like if you had a good life, like if I was taking care of myself and doing good things, then I'm like, yeah, this is something I do. Boom. Video goes up. And um, that's, that's entrepreneurship. That's creativity. It's like, no matter how it went, your great battle is just to keep going. What you did do well, what I thought was really interesting is your, you post self-development videos <clears throat> and I watch, I watched a lot of self-development videos. I, I listened to a few people, uh, mostly David Goggins and Tom Bilyeu. Those are the two folks that are personally, I resonate the most with. Um, and I do that mostly during the workouts because it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's when I feel like you dissect the most like Goggins would say it. Uh, so you post self-development videos. There's so many online. Um, what you do well, what I thought was really interesting angle, how you create that, you, you, you take lessons from the movies and then you augment that with your personal story. So you have something from the movie, let's say Fighting Club, and then you take the lesson, which is self-development thing from that script, and then you add, and here's my story, here's how I did it, here's this. And that formula, I thought, was super fresh. Was it intentional or was it just uh, you being a, an actor and liking movies? I think uh, personal development is a very uh, funny space. Like it's inherently interesting because everyone wants to figure out how to get better. And it's also inherently uninteresting. Like it's uninteresting compared to like uh, Casey Neistat vlog or really <laughs> funny movie or like yeah. uh, super sexy enticing content or like a hot ones TV show you know it's like it is a universally desirable niche but it's also um, in many ways like a lesser niche because it's it's the means not the actual fun so yeah. anytime anytime you are making content online I think it is useful to think like an entertainer like uh, I'm an engager, I'm an entertainer. Um, even if you're, as a human being, not, you don't identify as an entertainer. Know that your content has to engage and entertain on some level. And uh, the great kind of unifying force of entertaining is stories, um, pathos, drama, emotion. We get that from movies. We get that through personal experience. We get that through humor. We get that, we get entertainment when someone's just like really depressed and they're talking, they're like, I've been having a tough time. My dad is dying. Like it's yeah. not, that's not fun, but that's very gripping to watch, you know? So you have to kind of imbibe all those elements in there and you will find that the, the, you'll do better if you're just lead with that mentality. So, I mean, for me, it happened very, um, 
like study driven. I don't consider myself like a funny person, but I started trying to make my videos funnier because mm. I realized that that was a factor. Same right. with like using Fight Club. Well, people like movies. People like that that story of the guy who doesn't yeah. care. Uh, so that's why. So so it is so it was intentional. It was intentional. Yeah, yeah, it was because originally it was just uh, I'd say much more monotonous, much more just like information driven, and they yeah. still st videos still did well, but I think slowly I began to see how it could, how could, I could appeal to people uh, at various levels of their intellect. When you add it, and I personally, I'm a personal, uh, I personally believe that entertainment is the future of, um, of any marketing. Like I'm a marketer. And so I run uh, advertising online campaigns, Facebook, Google, all of those things. And uh, the best way to sell the product is to create a video, like video, short video ad. And, and when you are doing it for a small business, uh, you have got to make it entertaining. Like you don't have a, much, a, a lot of budget, but you want to make it funny, weird, quirky, whatever it is to actually uh, capture attention. And then you educate your viewer. Then they actually can listen to, oh, oh, there is a benefit of using this thing. Um, and yeah, so that's really interesting. Tell me about um, like in terms of the entertaining entertainment aspect, what have you changed once you implemented that with self-development videos, how have you adapted based on your views and your audience? I mean, I think you made an excellent point. It's like, it's like the reason why Super Bowl commercials, people specifically look forward to those as opposed to commercials uh, the rest of the year. And it's sort of like what I try to push. My buddy's like um, trying to launch his own watch company right now. And um, his approach is very, um, I would say traditional and appealing to like the design of his watch and, and stuff like that. And yeah, I think that is the move. The rationale is to tap into something that people experience yeah. and believe to be true and then uh, be as creative as possible. So yeah. Sorry, that was like uh, my um, college buddy who just called out of the blue just now. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah, so yeah, like the, the approach now is instead of aiming for speed, I try to think of like a, I, I treat it like a script, like a movie script. Like, okay, um, mm -hmm. it's not just the idea. It's not just what you're telling. It's how you're telling it, you know? So yeah. um, sometimes I make a video based around a certain atmosphere as opposed to the actual storyline. Because I know the atmosphere can make that video fun to watch. Like I'm working on a video... I'm pretty excited about it. I hope it's not going to be garbage, but a video on Sherlock Holmes. I don't think it's actually going to win that many clicks or I don't even, I don't, I look, as I read the script, I don't think it's that great, mm -hmm. but Sherlock Holmes, why would that be a fun video to watch when someone's actually in there? Well, I'm like, oh, well, maybe I can do this little sketch portion between Sherlock and Watson. A lot of Sherlock comes from like London and like mm -hmm. a little bit of an Irish influence. So maybe what if there was Irish music? And then um, the, the actual message of the video is about slow and fast thinking. If you ever read that Daniel Kahneman book, I haven't read it, but I like read summaries of it. Yeah. Very complicated book. I was trying to listen to it on Audible. I'm like, oh my God, like I need to, I need to sit down and read this. Yeah, thing. Yeah. It's too complicated. Well, my videos are like nine minutes, so I can't even touch, scratch the surface of what he would have said in that right. book. But I'm like, okay, how can I do slow and fast thinking? Oh, but then some Irish music is fast. Um, some music I can just like make it more like really uh, dramatic and slow. So it's much more, um, 
I guess, like cohesively mm. thought of now. But at, at the same time, I, I, I don't want to make it sound like my videos are, uh, I feel like there's, there's still a long way to go before they're truly high quality, you know? So, but that's kind of like the mindset now. It's like, how can I make the atmosphere, the story, um, everything be like, I want it to be an experience. I don't want it to just be a video. I want it, I want to get to the point where maybe I don't upload as much, but when you see a thumbnail with my name under it, you, you associate it with high effort and like an experience. Right. Uh, do you, so you write the script, obviously. Where do you get ideas? Anywhere or there are certain things that you go after to like, hey, I, I, I got to go check out these things where maybe I get some inspiration from that. So now everything I do is pretty much 100% written before I start filming. So the process usually works. I have a backlog of video ideas. I think, okay, what would I want to make this week? If I pick a topic, then I'll just start reading books that I come across on it. Excuse me. And um, I'll just start reading. And I won't read books all the way through, but any book that I feel might be related to that topic, I'll read, I'll write what I'm reading that I find interesting. If what I find interesting triggers some idea within me, like an example I thought of on my own or yeah. a life experience, I'll work that in. Um, and then slowly, it's usually just, you just stay with the page. You stay with the resources at hand and you stay with the page. You write out what comes out. After writing uh, just a bunch, I'll just read it over and try to get rid of as much as I can that I find uninteresting or redundant. And then from there, I say, okay, where are other uh, more creative ways to tell this part of the video? And I'll start maybe start putting in little tiny notes. Then I'll just shoot all of the talking, the word, all of the word related stuff, concept related <laughs> yeah. stuff. I'll shoot it just sitting at my desk and then I'll plan out, okay, what shots need to be associated with those words, what music, what like now, like audio design, all that comes after. So um, the, the foundation is I always go, go to an expert source by reading a book and then it sort of, it kind of bubbles out, comes out from there. And, and you create, you create it all yourself. Yeah, I have a channel partner buddy who um, helps me film, who I pay some of the AdSense towards. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, now I started taking on sponsorships. So that sort of hel uh, helps alleviate the time expense that goes into these now. Before it used to be about three to five hours of effort per video. And now I'd say maybe it's around 12, 12, 15 hours of effort per video. So just, just to keep the output the same, but then to alleviate, you know, all that uh, demands of the time. Right. Um, and you're still, you're still keeping two videos uh, a week? On average, yeah. I mean, I've just started missing deadlines a little bit. Um, some, there have been times where I would put up a comedy sketch up um, uh, for like people who don't know, like my channel is one serious video, one comedy video. And there have been times where I would uh, work on a comedy video, finish it, upload it, and then at like 3 a.m. I would get up and delete it because I didn't think it was funny <laughs> or funny enough. So sometimes yeah. I miss it just because I get in my head too much. Tell me about uh, acting. So you, uh, you, I assume you studied acting. What are you working on? What, like how, what was your, what's your past so far in acting? The original intent with this channel was to just document the journey of me becoming an actor. Um, I don't know if it was cowardice or just me being tactical, but 
Um, out of college, I had gone to Los Angeles. I was there for two and a half years and I was never able to book any uh, film and TV roles, which is really the only thing that would have excited me. And even the auditions I had gotten in that time uh, were not exciting roles. Uh, n pretty much all but one project were, they were not exciting things. One or, or maybe a couple. So uh, in two and a half years, nothing had happened. Um, I was working a money job as a teacher, which I felt very lukewarm about. Mm. Um, and I think I just got, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I, f I fell off the path. So I moved back home uh, and I was unemployed for like 10 months. And then I sort of uh, started this channel around that time. Or I, mm. you, if you go back, back to the channel, my very first video, I'm unemployed. If you were to look ahead, like, 10 videos like oh I got a job and it's you know it's it's been that way so at first it was just to document the journey and then I would move back to LA um, for whatever reason I never ended up doing it I saw this as a means slowly I realized that this could be maybe a means of leverage in Hollywood hmm. though now I'm not even sure if that's accurate I don't know how many youtubers go mainstream Hollywood um, <clears throat> and I don't know how famous you have to be on YouTube before they take you seriously in what do you find what do you find the hardest thing in acting because uh like i mean there's so obviously so many folks who are super talented very few get hired what do you need to or what you've seen that works or that that you need to have to succeed when you're after school for example i think with acting the majority of what training gives you um it's kind of like what Mike Tyson says. It, like you, everyone has a plan to get punched until you get punched in the face. Maybe before even getting into the training, or even with after. You know, it's like it is. Um, it is money driven. You know, so everyone is making a business decision when they're either giving you the audition, even taking a meeting with you. Um, mm -hmm. So why? How can you drive attention as sales as you as a human being? Maybe you drive attention because you're just incredibly attractive or incredibly disgusting looking and you play the perfect serial killer or you're just already super famous, uh, which is where mm -hmm. the majority of parts, desired parts go. Um, so, you know, what can you leverage to get in the room and book the part? And I would say book the part, maybe even despite uh, a lack of talent. I mean, if you were to look at the majority of the content you might have seen on maybe recent Netflix or mm -hmm. stuff like that. I yeah. don't think you'd be like, I don't think you'd read everything as this is an actor doing great acting. You know, it, a lot of it, it doesn't mm -hmm. read at all. It's just like, oh, it's, it, there are different factors that are contributing to it. So, um, and, and uh, Los Angeles has been turned in, the business of helping actors get a job has been turned into such a commodity that almost like 99% of what actions you feel you are capable of taking wouldn't actually help you. Like the acting coach. Mm. It is important to have an acting coach and become a better actor. But I would say it makes your chances of booking the job go up like 0.01% because no one, st still no one cares, even if you are good. So it's, it's kind of that impossible battle of saying, how can I like leverage attention how can i sneak my way in how can i be like a little weasel that's anyone who sort of made that supercut has sort of done that knowingly or unknowingly darren is this darren chris is his name he did harry potter the musical on youtube 10 years ago that blew yep. up 
and that's how he kind of got his entry into it. Sylvester Stallone just happened to have write this insane script that everyone wanted, and he refused to sell it to people unless he was the lead role. Insane uh, story. Yeah. Like, Megan Fox was just somehow the most desired it girl of her. She wasn't an actress. She probably worked really hard to act as well as she could in those Transformer movies that people like to hate on. Uh, people don't understand even how much work goes into being a, a bad actress. But, <laughs> you know, that's, that's never the actor's intention. They, you still, everyone is doing the best they can uh, for the most part. So it's, you know, can, can you leverage attention? Can you find a way to weasel in? Uh, that's that's the move and it, it takes something more than the traditional um, things that were taught that's my sort of guess about it have you have you thought about uh, like comedy stand-up uh, improv any of those things I, I I realize after the fact after now being 27 years old that those would all have been entries but when I started out I just wanted to go through the mainstream route because the only stories that really kind of like speak to me are like those long form narratives, like long form epic narratives, you know, that's like the kind of project I would have been wanted to be a part of. And uh, I know all of those things, like I'm just, I'm inherently not that interested in comedy, but I just, uh, I realize now it's power. Everyone wants to laugh. So, uh, or on the other hand, if you can get people to laugh, you pretty much have them on your side. They'll like, they'll, they'll, they'll take over and support you. So in retrospect, I would say anything is a, an access point. Well, but I mean, it's not too late, isn't it? I think I'm becoming more pessimistic with time. So maybe, <laughs> who knows, who knows? It's, um, one should never write themselves off, you know? That's, that's definitely true. Uh, my kind of mindset and rationale moving forward is, yeah, I mean, all of those things, if I went in all in on them, that would be the best. Uh, like what if I got into improv and stand-up and still tried traditional media still went on YouTube uh, maybe I should get into TikTok as well and just see buds out but mm -hmm. to make any one of those things work like out of those five things uh, it does take tremendous focus so okay, I guess the rationale right now is I already have momentum on one thing yeah um, I don't know if it will lead to traditional media roles, but I know that if, if, the, if I put the focus there, then that's like kind of like hedging my bets in the best place. But who knows? Like right now I have 200,000 or so subscribers on YouTube. Mm -hmm. If I, is it possible for me to turn that into a million? Like almost definitely. If I just kept doing what I, I'm doing and made it better. Is a, right. is a million subscribers enough to get a Hollywood agent to notice you? Back in the day, I would have said, oh, totally, a million? That's, 200,000 is an insane number, but now I'm not even confident. You know? But, but, but it, look, I, th I, think, I think what, what uh, some of the things that, that I'm, as a marketer, would consider is that all you need to do to <clears throat> get into Hollywood is you need leverage. Uh, to have leverage, you need distribution. YouTube is only one distribution channel. You need more distribution channels. So being a guest on the show, uh, being doing some other thing that is a part of a, your larger campaign, how can you tap into the channels that are powerful enough that will lead your name to be flashed in the right place at the right time? So you create a plan and then you execute the plan. YouTube is only one channel. 
like you just want to tap other channels that would be effective. Cold email, by the way, is a great channel, but it's only one and it's not very scalable. Uh, but you want to find the more channels. So you have a multi-touch campaign of, and, it's, and the goal is to show, hey, this is your name. This is uh, just, a, it's a very, it's, it's a brand awareness. Like, oh, this guy exists. Okay, here's what he did. And, and uh, it, when it's done in a smart way, in a, in a strategic way, it works because most people never think of it from this perspective. They just think for one channel. And one channel is good, but then the chances of getting to 15 million people uh, are possible, but it's, it's going to take forever. But you can take multi-channel approach. Like even, for example, like Facebook ads, it's a pretty good channel, cheap. You get a lot of distribution at a very low cost uh, to, to the right audience, potentially. So TikTok is potentially a channel. So it's just more about like how do you create a campaign to get distribution, to buy yourself into that distribution, that to then have the leverage and then, and then you, it's, it's a marketing, it's PR, it's all of those aspects. Uh, and then it's the, the reach is so much broader than YouTube. Yeah, that's a good point. That, that is definitely uh, like the superior um, path. And I, I do agree with you. I think for me to execute on that, I think would need, I would need to hire people probably. Um, uh, over time, over time, you know, like over time, it's, yeah. it, over time it makes, makes a ton of sense. Tell me about your, so you're a sales, you work at Salesforce. Like, are we going to see an ad with you and Benioff that, that talks about uh, while Salesforce is like a feeling, it's not a CRM? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, Salesforce. I'm really happy with that I um, ended up here. I think it's, a, it's like the perfect example of looking at the market and, and teasing out a strategy from what you observe and just uh, the power of investigating what's working. It's like, I, I got this Salesforce job having majored in chemistry and um, it makes me a very decent income by my standards, maybe not by uh, many, a lot of people online, they're like, oh, 40K a month and stuff. I'm like, oh, I have, th those numbers don't even make sense to me, you know, like a, on an emotional level. Um, but yeah, I, work before even before the uh current pandemic i had been working from home i've had so much more energy when i started starting youtube my commute was like you know two hours yeah and there was, it wasn't passion driven it was more like i want a way of sustaining an income um while still having energy to be creative so it was just um figuring out that the industry exists learning what i could on my own and then eventually ending up ending up in a position that makes that possible um that is what's really cool about life today it's like in some ways life is more confusing than ever and in a lot of ways if you're just willing to spend the time investigating and learning as opposed to consuming then you can figure out ways to make your life circumstance get better which is pretty cool what's your role in salesforce i'm a marketing cloud consultant so i actually i work for uh, we're the company's called proficient we are a salesforce like uh Oh, partner partner yeah partner so yeah it's mostly healthcare companies that we run their crm for yeah nobody knows how to use the thing and nobody will ever figure it out so that means that you know you always have a job <laughs> but you seem to know a decent amount about it actually <laughs> well i uh, I, you, I so i'm a marketer but i'm uh, i worked in operations so i was the one who was a salesforce admin uh so salesforce oh, administrator awesome. Uh, like part administrator and like so I used all of those systems 
except the cloud. I didn't use the cloud. And uh, the, I know how ridiculously complicated they are. Like even pushing like a small change is, is it like <laughs> you need to hire a ton of people and pay them like a thousand an hour <laughs> to yeah, make something yeah, work. There's a lot of um, a lot of ways you can mess it up if you accidentally change one thing. And exactly. Yeah. So, so you don't do that anymore, though. How long were you in Salesforce? So uh, I haven't worked uh, in Salesforce. I just worked with Salesforce. Uh, it's many different companies. So. Oh, sure. uh, yeah, so essentially, I, 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 did, I think I worked with like three or four companies um, helping them with Salesforce. And it's just, uh, it's on the sales side and on the marketing side. So like pure operations, like if there's like just creating a workflow, making sure that they have the right fields, making sure they have the right automations in place. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I realized like I enjoy more the entertainment aspect, creating content than, uh, than running this technical stuff, even though the technical stuff is super well paid. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Seems like you've done a lot. You don't look that old though. So I was just like, oh. <laughs> twenty-nine, just two years ahead. Oh, okay. What uh, What's the exciting exciting things for you right now? What's like? What are you looking forward to? I mean, <laughs> um, the the long term ambition that I see is like uh, what I would like to make manifest is a feature length movie that I would release on my YouTube channel. Um, and I would want to shoot it in Kanpur, India, which is where my parents are from. And it would be like a, yeah, yeah, like a story set in the 1970s, 80s onwards. Um, and also would capture some of the strife between um, the Hindus and the Muslims, like the riots in the 1980s that happened there. And um, yeah, in, in to just, release that on my channel um, as something that's just, it doesn't make any sense. But lately it's been more and more becoming something that I have, it's just been constantly running there. And then the uh, second thing that I would like to do, even though that also doesn't make any sense, is like a 12 part series in which I would go to 12 different countries and um, make these really cinematic documentary style videos on the mythos that came from those countries. And so slowly these two things are coming in my mind. I'm like, oh, it doesn't make any sense, you know, to do compared to like uh, the effort it would take to do like a, a quick cut sketch and that they perform really well. But I might just explore that um, and see where that leads me. So it's, it's more so like, I, th I don't think my life, a lot of people, it seems like everyone's got an exciting project on their docket. I don't really feel that way, you know. Um, I feel like I'm just working my job and uh, showing up to this little hobby on the side. But once maybe the um, global situation eases up a little bit and travel becomes more possible and also like the means of production keep going up, those sorts of things, those really high effort, uh, very story driven things that don't make any sense in terms of the YouTube algorithm, I might just try them out and see what happens. How do you justify putting an effort into something like that where it's like, you know what, it does not make sense. The algorithm's not going to work. Why the hell I would do that? It's just, it would be badass. Like a movie about, uh, like, I think I would call it a boy from Kanpur, which is like, my dad's from Kanpur. It'd be like a, it wouldn't be my dad's story, but it would be kind of a, a narrative that I'd be pulling a lot from. Hmm. And um, I'm really fascinated by the idea that so much in, I'm only, I, I only like inspirational movies, you know, like, or, 
or like badass, like not yeah. 300, but that sort of vibe, like the vibe of like, right. uh, you know, going after things. But we, we draw from fantasy and mythos so much for those kinds of stories, Lord of the Rings, or mm. even something like Rocky Creed. Oh yeah, classic. You know, we, we, we pull a lot from larger than life, but you look at the stories of even your own parents or just random people you know, um, and not dramatized in like a mm-hmm. like a tearjerker way. Just like what life looks like if you compress time. It's it's existence is crazy and absurd, and a lot of epic things have happened. So I'm I'm just really excited by the idea of you know like my dad is a guy who went from uh, no electricity hut in India to here. He's just a software engineer. You know, it's not like oh you know he's not something ridiculous but that is still a very exciting narrative and i think that's i just want to do it because it would be it would be cool and i i know it wouldn't like be the return on investment would not be insane but for the people who do watch and i think there i do have an audience that like they'll be like yo we're, we're here um it would just be cool to tell that story so that's that's sometimes you do it for the for the money and sometimes you do it for the art when did you guys move? When did you guys move uh, with your family to the states? I was born here. They moved here in '92. They married a few years prior. They got uh, married at 23 and 25. Uh, arranged marriage, having, having never met, and then had me a year later here in the U.S. Mm. Gotcha. So you follow a lot of personal development folks. Uh, like I could tell you are super well read. You talk, obviously talk a lot about it in your videos. Who are the most inspirational people, folks you learn the most, if you could narrow down it to maybe a few? You, personally to you. The guy who sort of like kicked off my YouTube career is Jordan Peterson. And uh, I like him because it's, it's not, um, he doesn't have any flash to offer. Uh, it doesn't make any sense, actually. But what he does is, like, he just talks uh, with such force that he, like, garnered an audience of millions. And that's, that's mm-hmm. like, me making a parody of a man like that could garner a million views on YouTube. So how, how big must the man be himself? And all he do- has been doing is talking. Uh, <laughs> and, like, talking about yeah. very simple things, but drawing from all sorts of sources to talk about them. And also, I find him uh, compelling not so much for his ideas, but I like how sure of his ideas he is. Like, I don't think you can, I would never question anything he said. You know, even though it's good to have healthy debate and discussion, I would just be like, if you think this, like, you're probably right. Because I'm not as sure of my opinions as sure as you are of yours. So I like him just because he can talk well. Um, I like Goggins for his pure savagery. And just, there's no, you don't have to be an intellectual like Peterson to understand Goggins. Goggins whole life is just one thing which is just like start bleeding and it's awesome and it, it sometimes it makes no sense at all but like that level of uh you know just physical energy is admirable to me out of history I like Malcolm X man transformed in prison uh drug addict uh womanizer uh hater of all all good uh basically became one of the most charismatic in my opinion also more charismatic than Martin Luther King though not as much of a like marketer yeah and and Theodore Roosevelt like those guys um yeah what do you I mean you uh 
you all, you don't, you didn't just read stuff. You implemented, applied a lot. Uh, most people never get there. What are some of the things that you've seen that are lies in personal development? What are the things that are misunderstood? Personal development things that people think, oh, if I just do this, then this is going to happen. Maybe a few. Yeah. Um, it's a easily corruptible niche because yeah, I mean, people are interested in personal development topics, but maybe some people looking into personal development stuff, it's out of desperation, you know, like they really want life to change. And a lot of what life is, is driven by um, like the macroeconomics of the world. So I think ultimately, I think the biggest thing to take away from all of personal development for me is that like, you could be doing things right and it's still not working out immediately. So don't, if it's not going well, don't think it's because you're doing things poorly or you're a shitty person or something. It could just be mean that whatever you're doing, whatever you're starting to work on, uh, even if it's been like three years, maybe, maybe you just got to play the long game of like in the perspective of 20, 30 years. And then also the most important thing in all of it, is to very rarely miss a day. I think that's the biggest thing. It's just uh, don't, don't, you don't need to be Goggins level savagery every day. Just be uh, really thorough for a long time. And you won't even uh, realize how life is changing. Um, and you won't, you, you'll almost like lose gratitude for how life is changing, but it will change if you do the, the things. It's just the timeline is very long for things working, yeah. I would say. I know it's like uh, David Goggins would say, it's really cold today, but I had to put the motherfucker in. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's so good. He looks good too, man. Like I just, he's, I just yeah. I, I'm really vain. I don't want to look like shit at 40. So I think that's the main hope. <laughs> he, he's, he's, a, he's a crazy guy. And, and I mean, I always, I always uh, you know, like uh, use his lines to make jokes. Uh, with friends because I just find some of them are just hilarious. But as much as I laugh from what he says, I think he is probably the person that comes the closest to the truth, explaining it like you are in the fifth grade. Simple, like pure simple. Here's how mind works. Here's what's happening. Here's what you should be doing. And he, I think he just comes so close to this with like the most simple, the base level understanding versus other people get to it in in a in a more in a, in a path that is a little bit less straightforward for people to understand. Yeah, I think he speaks in terms of energy rather than arguments, and that's why he's the most correct. Like, you don't need to read any of the books. You don't need to go yeah. to a Tony Robbins seminar. You don't need to do anything. All you have to do is like listen to the silence for one second and be like, "Hey, what is like the most correct action right now?" And if you just did that, like every single moment, or even ninety percent you'd be such a badass. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting it, also. Yeah. Yeah. It, it happens in all, in all of the smallest things. Like this is kind of a, um, this is kind of a stupid example, but mm. like I'm around December, I started getting the earliest signs of thinning in my hair. You know, like every, every, I think a lot of like guys in their twenties or guys in their late twenties, you'll start to see it happen. It's like kind of a natural aging process. You, you, the hairline mm -hmm. matures. I think it was for about like two months where I was like, dang, like this is, um, uh, this, this logic came in like, 
hmm, I wonder if this means like it's going to be over somehow. And then the rationale became afterwards, like very, ho like hopefully very shortly afterwards, it was, okay, um, intrinsically, like my immediate response might be to feel a certain way about this, but if I was the perfect person, how would I respond to this? And I'm like, oh, if I look at other people who go through this, how do I feel about them? And I'm like, well, I don't care if they have hair or not. And yeah. I, don't, I don't see, if I were to look at it in another person, I'd be like, well, no one cares. And I'm like, well, just pretend. So that's what I did for a whole month. I just pretended as, as if it didn't mean anything to me. And it did like, I was like, oh, that's kind of the whole thing. You know, just, you kind of right. already know how to go about doing things, you know, so just do it. <laughs> well, it's like our friend Jaco would say, uh, how, how do you feel? You feel good. Yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> exactly. Your, your two-minute two minute Jaco video was, was very on point. Oh, thanks, man. It was one of the early it was, it was, I, I liked, I liked the, the, the scene where you said, what do you mean the buck is not fixed? Fix the buck. Fix it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> once again, a classic example of like, I don't know if this is funny, you know, but uh, yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. I guess like the ultimate advice for YouTube is don't judge your footage while you're filming it. Mm -hmm. Only judge it like a week later. Um, we, we tend to get in our own way. With that whole yeah, thing. I, I agree. It's also interesting. I wanted to mention that, you know, you go to Tony Robinson. And I went to Tony Robbins in New York mm -hmm. in 2018 and he talks about, oh, you got to write down uh, that you're going to live in a beautiful state, right? Like the life is too short to suffer. Okay, cool. No problem. But then he says, look, you, for you to get to where you want to go, what do you, you have to like do some stuff at from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m., which is okay, cool. But then there's this huge gap between a happy state and then uh, what he talks about and this, this massive changes that you have to make. Uh, so I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect in terms of how he much how much he downplays the amount of pain you have to go through first to change yourself and then to get to where you want to go because it, it's I think with Tony Robbins especially it seems like oh it's just so happy everybody's smiling and you just you just go and dance for a couple of days and then things gonna slowly change which I feel like it's a lie it just doesn't happen this way at least from my experience. We'll be curious to hear what you think. That's the, I mean, that's the, um, that's the great effort. I've never been to a Tony Robbins event. I'm sure it would be great. But actually, a big part of me uh, very much struggles to be like the, um, for at least a long haul, um, like the listener, especially for someone who is like uh, wildly successful because of personal development. It's kind of like a loop, you know, like, or uh, it's like, what have you done that's not, the reason you're successful is because of this, you know, so even though I know, I'm sure he's uh, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like keeping that energy. Incredible. Uh, yeah, you will. Just, totally. I think, that, yeah, this is where like being an actor is, I, I sort of delude myself into it because I, sometimes I look back and watch a YouTube video, I'm like, I don't know who that is. I'm just pretending to know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah. Nicole, any final messages to the audience, uh, something you want to share or something we have missed, um, anything that you'd like to leave the audience with? Uh, don't think, just do. That's my favorite mantra. And uh, thanks for having me on. This was fun. That was, it was. It was. That was a great, it's a great one. I agree. Don't consume, just create. Yeah, that too. That's, a, that's maybe a bit more elegant way to put it. 
And that was my interview with Nickel. What do you guys think of it? Did you like it? Was it too long? Where were some parts you wanted me to cover a little bit more? Leave a comment or you can just email me directly. I'll leave an email in my show notes uh, or you can send me a message on LinkedIn. Would love to hear your thoughts so I can create more uh, of these types of interviews. Thanks guys for listening. Appreciate it. And I'll see you in the next one.